Good morning, Mark, and welcome to Morning Fog. Good morning, Liz. Uh, it is another great day and a wonderful crisp fall uh, morning today. So uh, looking forward to a little bit of a discussion. And I was thinking, you know, we, uh, we heard several years ago as we entered into the pandemic that there would be a new normal. And I don't know that anyone really knows exactly what that is, but a lot of people that we've talked to have said sort of the same thing, that there's this this uncertainty, this this disquiet, this almost anxiety that that comes as as we've started to uh, um, uh, to move out of and continued to move out of the uh, the pandemic. This this idea of okay, do I wear a mask here? You know, do I try a new shop? Uh, do I skip it all together? Do I do, do I go to a new restaurant? Um, you know. Um, these decisions. I'm, I'm all of a sudden in a place and there's a lot of people around me and they're less than six foot. And, uh, you know, it's making me apprehensive. It was really interesting as, as we talked and listened to people over the past six months to a year, and it's still continuing is why we're bringing it up today, that these experiences are making them apprehensive. Now, maybe not anxious truly, but but apprehensive. And that they sometimes feel like not having a mask is alien to them. Some people are more comfortable with it. Some people aren't. Some people find it very unsettling to all of a sudden be in a closed space with 15 or 20 people around them. And uh, this has an actual name to it. And it's called re-entry anxiety. And maybe we should spend a little time talking about what's been going on with a lot of the people that we've talked to. Well, if you think about it, it makes complete sense that people have this re-entry anxiety because, you know, one day you're told to wear masks and the next day you say it's okay not to. So it messes with the mind for sure. Uh, I know my son down in college, it, um, they when they had, when they told the campus that they didn't have to wear masks, they went from wearing, you know, KN95s to nothing. And it really caused a lot of kids to have anxiety because again, one day you're okay, not okay. And the next day you are. So I, I, I think everybody has this feeling of, as you called it earlier, this, this new normal of questioning where we didn't used to before we got to a place, unfortunately, where we'd be in a store and we didn't want to be near people. And now we're in a store and we're near people. And is that okay? And do maybe they maybe they have, have COVID, maybe they don't. But am I going to get something from them? Am I not? It's um, it's understandable. It, it is. And what's really intriguing is that as you look at the psychology and psychiatry uh, literature, that more and more people are being affected with this reentrant anxiety. And you know. Basically, this this uh, this uncertainty, this um, uh, this feeling apprehensive or unsettled when being around places that we were told for so long that we couldn't be there, that we were putting our own self in, in jeopardy. You know, it's it really is something where the lockdown and social isolation um, have really done. Uh, a, a, a bit of a disservice and left us with this footing of trying to get ourselves back on the track. I think that's a really good way to describe it. It's, it's trying to be grounded again uh, to find the normal, what, what feels good. When we had all that isolation, you know, originally it was supposed to just be two weeks and then it turned out to be, you know, however long. Uh, what happened 
was that the thing that humans need more than anything is connection. Exactly. And uh, we didn't have it. And now all of a sudden we're, it's like we're tippy-toeing back out into the real world and getting used to what once was the norm, being connected to others. Now we're tippy-toeing around that. At 100%. The, the, the fact is, is that our brain doesn't flip a switch. It's not on and off. And we don't go from being locked in a place to back to normal immediately. Our brain just isn't going to work that way. So what situations set us up for this type of uh, um, re-entry anxiety? Well, it's when we're confined to a certain place over a long period of time where we find as human beings ourselves to be severely isolated and hypervigilant. And it's really important to understand that we were hypervigilant. We had to be careful about, are we six feet apart? You know, because we were told that we could die um, or at least become very sick. We were locked down. Our, our neighbors, our friends became those who could potentially, you know, uh, uh, put us in a life-threatening illness. Um, and therefore we were severely isolated and we were confined to our homes for long periods of time. Um, uh, it wasn't, you know, the full two years or so, but there were prolonged periods that we were just kept apart. And all of this, while it may have been necessary to have some of the social isolation or the, the, the lockdowns, and I'll leave the necessity of that to, to others to determine. But the fact is, is that it may have been necessary, but it's not something that our brains are used to. And once we become sort of adjusted to that, we don't just immediately revert back with a flip of a light switch to normal. Whoever thought that that would be a pattern we'd have to break, you know, that we would be trying to get used to being around people again. It is strange. I have to tell you, I went to um, a baseball game this year and I went to a football game with, with you. Uh, and it was awesome to be in that crowd and I'm looking around and I'm thinking, wow, just two years ago, we weren't, a year and a half ago, we couldn't do this. We were told we couldn't do this and now we can. And, and how good it felt. The energy felt really good. It felt amazing. Yet still, and I love things like that, but still in the back of my mind, I was thinking, is anybody in this arena ill? Because you can't help think it. Uh, 100%. Yeah. Um, Whereas normally it would just be a, an event. Same thing. I went to a, I went to a concert. I actually was fortunate enough to see Billy Joel this year with my son. Same thing. I'm, I'm in Madison Square Garden and I'm thinking, this is awesome. Is anybody in here sick? It's, it's a question you can't not ask yourself after everything we've been through. And, and, the, and the biggest thing was the amount of stress that we were under. You mentioned you know, two years ago. Well, it's interesting because just a little over two years ago, the American Psychological Association did a, uh, a, a survey. And that they found that um, since April of 2020, and this was uh, something published in 2021, so Americans are experiencing the highest levels of stress with 84% of adult Americans feeling at least, at least one emotion 
of prolonged stress. Prolonged stress, including anxiety, sadness, or anger. The level of anger, anyone who's driving around knows the amount of road rage and how angry people are. Well, anybody in customer service knows how angry people are. <laughs> exactly. And 84% of adults, I mean, think about that as an yeah. astounding number um, of, uh, of, of, of people. You know, there's roughly, what, 350 million people in the U.S. and 85%, so just under, you know, 290 million or so because um, some of those are kids, but, you know, uh, well, let's, let's call it, you know, 250, 290 million people have, you know, an emotion associated with severe and prolonged stress in the last two weeks. And um, that's, that's really an astounding number, but just as much as one out of every seven people when they were screened for post-traumatic stress disorder. Now, these are not just the frontline workers. These are not just the doctors, the nurses, the first responders. One out of every seven people that was screened for PTSD were positive. Mm -hmm. We think about post-traumatic stress disorder as those who are coming back from combat or those who you know, had uh, um, you know, sexual assault or whatever. But one out of seven Americans, that's just an astounding number. Well, there are a lot of reasons that could be, too. It doesn't just have to be that they were locked down. They could have lost a loved one. They could have uh, not been able to see a loved one because they lived in a nursing home or an assisted living facility. Uh, they could have not been able to hold their first grandchild. Or, I mean, you could go down the list of, of things. You know, we talk about events that people missed out on. And and they they that causes stress. Those those missing out on events, those events that didn't happen, graduations, weddings, that all causes significant stress. But that's not PTSD. PTSD comes from a different level of stress and a trauma associated with it that is separate from just losing a loved one or being under significant stress, uh, missing a wedding, those sort of things. And, you know, uh, but, but you're right, additional, you know, so one out of seven is just around 14%, it's 13%, but the same number had difficulty with lockdown. And uh, 11, 10, 11% feared difficulty in obtaining supplies during lockdown or, mm. or had difficulty in self-isolating and, you know, roughly one out of five had significant fears about falling ill. So, you know, there's a lot of things that went into what was happening to people during, excuse me, during this period. And um, it, it left a mark and it yeah, you still can't, you can't, a mark. Exactly. You can't just erase it. So when we talk about reentry and stepping back out into what the new normal is, whatever that means, uh, we can't, it, it, it doesn't erase what everybody lived through. It's still a part of all of us. 100%. And, and it's interesting because now we're supposed to be looking forward to things. We, we might have you know, put off a wedding or um, there was a graduation we missed, but we're going to have the graduation party. Things are kind of coming back to normal. And he said, well, why is this thing that's supposed to be fun something I'm not looking forward to? Why is this thing that's supposed to be fun something that I am not you know, excited about, 
we're supposed to be excited. And it's because this re-entry anxiety is not allowing us to simply enjoy what is. This re-entrant uncertainty, this, this, this perturbation of, of oh, that's a big that word would normally be, um, you know, th- this disruption of, of what would normally be just fun and enjoyable is taking place because of the re-entry anxiety. People have said that, you know, um, that folks, that their social skills have, have atrophied. People have said that, um, uh, that they, they no longer know exactly how to dress for certain occasions because they didn't need to, that they, you know, again, have this, this anger that's just in them and it comes out as road rage or it comes out as, as, you know, this, this anger to, to the checkout uh, person in your grocery store or the bank teller. So it's so interesting you say that because I was behind this woman in the grocery store the other day and she started talking just about, uh, she, she thought I only had one item. She didn't see that I had a cart behind me. And she said, oh, do you want to go ahead of me? I said, oh, no, look at the cart behind me. I have a whole, and she said, oh, she said, okay. And I said, but thank you. That was really very kind of you. And she said, well, wouldn't it be nice if more people were kind? She said, I just feel like so many people are angry. And it was a really kind gesture and you don't see people doing it anymore, but there are some people who want to. And as you're talking about this, I keep thinking to myself, so what are we doing to help people? Because this is very real. And we're helping people understand that it's real and you're not alone. People are feeling this, but what are some things that people can do to feel a little less anxious as they're starting to do more things? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, first is to understand we, we always talk about having awareness and understand who might be struggling more with reentry. Um, those who have been stressed severely, and again, we all have, but some of us may be more than others. Uh, the number of divorces went up significantly in the beginning of COVID because of lockdown and all of a sudden people couldn't have their own space. Um, uh, those who are dealing with trauma, uh, um, the frontline workers, not just our healthcare workers who really put, you know, uh, everything sort of on the line before there were even good protections, but similarly for other frontline workers, our, our, our first responders, those who kept the grocery stores open, things like that. Parents, as we've talked about, but also those who were displaced from school children and teens in, in elementary school or in um, uh, you know, high school, those young adults who were uh, displaced from, from work or displaced from, from college or had the loss of their college experience in this isolation, uh, these young kids who couldn't see other children's faces. Um, and as we know, uh, so much of communication is about body language and particularly facial expression. So people might be at more or less risk for re-entry. And if you're not feeling it, that doesn't mean that the person next to you isn't feeling it significantly. We have to give ourselves a period of adjustment. We have to be able to readjust and we have to hold space and approach ourselves and our friends, our family with, with love to be able to, to do that. We have to understand that's where I was going to go with that. I was going to say having that compassion because we're all individuals and the and lockdown impacted each of us in, in our own way. And uh, 
it was just, I think a month ago that my daughter said, I think I have some PTSD from the pandemic from being locked down. And I said, I'm sure you do. I mean, she spent most of her time in her room uh, with the shades down uh, going to school. And we, my husband and I would go in and try to raise the shades, but she was in a funk and she's not alone. A lot of kids are now saying that was a really difficult time and you can't undo that. So it's to have that compassion that, as you just said, to understand that it's going to take so much, there's going to be an adjustment period. How long it's going to be is going to depend on the individual. Yeah. And it's, it's really important to understand as well that we have had a lot of things that are overarching with this at the same time. You know, there's this, um, how we get here is really interesting, but when you have individuals that repeatedly go into this kind of recovery phase and then get pushed back by a new crisis, and then they had to recover from the new crisis, adjust to that situation, but get hit with another one and then another one. And over the past several years, uh, we have had a lot of that. Uh, we had the, the pandemic. We had, you know, a lot of um, uh, social unrest. We had some very significant political unrest. We're now, uh, you know, hearing about different versions of, of COVID as uh, uh, they come up. We're, we're hearing now about RSV, et cetera. So we're in a situation that we're having people who are being repeatedly allowed to start to open up and then getting pushed back. And that prolonging of the discomfort and the stress is increasing the likelihood of reentry anxiety. Uh, so to your point, how do, we, how do we deal with this? Well, again, we, we, we have people who help to hold space for us, understand that they can't solve every problem, but what they can do is they can listen to us. And we've got to be willing to not only listen to others, but to be able to share. Uh, for those who are experiencing some real trouble with readjusting. So instead of reentry anxiety, we'll call it just readjusting. Um, some people may have true real anxiety or panic that comes from it. Then they should talk to their health professionals uh, about what can be done. Looking at some of the things that we talk about here, about how to use diet, how to use exercise, how to use mindfulness, how to use other techniques to reduce stress, uh, some of the appropriate breathing techniques can be really helpful in, in helping that. And then sitting back to just understand that, okay, you know, this is the way it was, this is why I feel this way, and making a plan so that you can set a goal to continue to move forward. You so, just said it perfectly, Mark. It's, it's the awareness. Awareness is the first step of everything because then you can catch yourself when you're starting to feel not good on the inside. Why am I feeling not good? Okay, let's, let's hit that emotion. What's, what's coming up for me? Is it where the event that I'm heading to? Is it um, this grocery store that I'm at? Whatever it is that's happening, just start to gain some awareness. And as Mark said, obviously, if you feel that you're having panic attacks, deep depression, anxiety, definitely talk to your healthcare providers. And, and give yourself the space to have that anxiety and remind yourself that everyone is different and they're dealing with these things differently. So don't compare your feelings or your ability to 
readjust or to cope to anyone else. We're all individuals. Some people take longer, some people take shorter, some people's feelings are more uh, intense. But any of those doesn't mean there's anything that has gone wrong. You're just a human being living a unique life in a unique way and walking your path. Give yourself the ability, reach out for help or find help for others if that's what they need. One of the best ways to do it too is just make sure you connect with those that you love. Exactly. 100%. Liz, this has been a great discussion. As always, enjoy spending time and we look forward to another morning fog. All right. Have an awesome day. You too. Bye-bye now. Bye.